Welcome to Testers Island Discs, your most musical guide to software testing. My name's Neil Studd, and I'll be your castaway companion. Welcome back to another episode of Tessa's Island Discs, our end of year special episode number 63, where today on this cold December evening, my special guest is Vernon Richards. Now, if I were to give you Vernon's bio, this would become the longest episode on record. Vernon's been in testing for, let's say, 20 years-ish, during which time he's made his way through the world of gaming and worked through some of the biggest companies in tech, companies like Vodafone, Sky, EasyJet, Financial Times, Beats by Dre, and even the Lotus F1 team. In the past five years, he's been moving into more coaching and consultancy roles and has been sharing his experiences recently in workshops, including at Testbash UK. And in terms of claims to fame, Vernon has a pretty great one. He shot to stardom in 2004 when he was credited as a motion capture stand-in for Will Smith in a Bad Boys 2 video game. Welcome to my special celebrity guest. It's Vernon Richards. How are you doing, sir? That's a ridiculous intro. I am well. Greetings. You, you've lived it. I, it's, it sounds ridiculous to read, but you, you've been there in real time. How how did the Will Smith thing even come about? <laughs> okay, so my my first, I entered the world of testing as a games tester, and so I worked at a relatively small games publisher in North London um, in the early two thousands, in and around the time that Bad Boys Two came out. Um, so we were very excited. We got the Bad Boys 2 uh, license. We were, we thought, yeah, this is it. This is going to put us on the map. And uh, sadly, uh, the license did not enable us to use the likenesses of pretty much anyone from the film, including their two most bankable stars, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. So what do you do when you have a video game starring uh, two handsome black actors from Hollywood? that you can't use the likenesses of, but you have a handsome black software tester in your company, uh, you use my face for their face. So that was uh, that's how that happened. But actually, I was supposed to be Martin Lawrence. Uh, and I have, oh, I had at the time a colleague, another handsome black chap, uh, by the name of Phil, so which I love because it's like Phil Will, which which, uh, which I love <laughs> the fact that it rhymes. And the thing is, uh, Phil actually looks like Will Smith. So when the powers that be saw Phil's mug on um, in the game as Will, they're like, no, 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 we've got to swap that round. So um, <laughs> I got I got an upgrade, which was very pleasant indeed. Fantastic! <laughs> I can't think of anyone anyone more, more deserving. And your uh, your your Will Smith connections, um, while twenty twenty two may not have been um, best for Big Willie, um, <laughs> they do extend to um, mimicking the uh, the classic Fresh Prince dance at Test Pass this year uh, when you were on stage with Stu Day. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you whose idea that was. I'm, I'm not sure if I need to ask. Uh, it was it was kind of both of our ideas. It might, it may have been more Stu's idea than mine, but we both kind of. So we, I can't remember how this came up, but we were working on a release. I've worked with Stu a few times over the years, and we were working on a release. This is back in the days where you would do overnight releases, and so we were working late, working with a friend of ours called Wanda, um, Wanda Cavan Hawkins Cavanagh, who you should definitely follow on LinkedIn and Twitter. She is awesome. Um, and yeah, we were we were talking about we were talking about his uh, Will's appearance on um, Graham on, Norton. Uh, Graham Norton, and we both 
were like, oh, it's really awesome. It was really good. And, it, and he had this dance and we both like simultaneously, like, I don't know how, we got the video playing and we both spontaneously and simultaneously did the dance um, in the middle of the night. Like this company, I wonder's like laughing her ass off, just like, what the hell are you two doing? And then we were kind of like, look, we should do that. If we ever do a talk together, because we've wanted to do this for years, we should try and shoehorn, blag, like just come up with some tenuous excuse to put this dance into the talk. Um, but uh, So we managed it. We managed it at Test Bash UK a few years later. It's, uh, yeah, brought some marvellous energy to the room in Manchester. <laughs> and you're, you're never one to pass up a challenge. I mean, your, your connections with the Ministry of Testing go back many years and in terms of mm. speaking and comparing both in person and online through recent times. But I, I remember a, a phase where uh, you and a, a, and a pink tutu became very closely associated <laughs> with each other. <laughs> they did. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, so what happened was... <clears throat> I did a 99 second talk in 2014 that went down really well at um, Test Bash in Brighton that year. And uh, Rosie, um, founder boss of Ministry of Testing, was like, right, you're coming to do a talk at Test Bash next year. I was like, haha, yeah, good one. Um, and then when she did the uh, call for papers, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna submit. She was like, "Why are you submitting? I already told you you were talking." I'm like, oh, okay. So when they when they announced the speakers and I was on there, you know, some people were were excited. Oh, Van's gonna talk. It's gonna be great. And I don't know how, but my I'm doing air quotes that no one can see. My friend Emma Keevney, who is also a legend, but is also absolutely outrageous, for some reason decided that I needed to do this talk in a tutu. Shared this with on Twitter, and then other fr- so called friends of mine. Um, like I don't know they were. In, 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 yes, you do, <laughs> Mr. Stud. <laughs> <laughs> Took up the cry. And before you know it, I was I was like, on the day of the of the conference, I was arriving there saying, oh, are you Vernon? Are you the guy who's going to do the talk in the tutu? Like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, and then it kind of just stuck. And I just, you know, I just play around with it, to be honest. It's just, it's all in good fun. But I Fantastic. won't ever be wearing a tutu just for the avoidance of doubt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you started that story by saying, oh, well, what happened was, and I feel like that could be a really great uh, autobiography title for you. Like what happened was uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of your life is taking you that way. Um, speaking of, of test bash call for papers, if you're listening to this episode, when it comes out uh, in Christmas week, um, you've got about a week left for the call for papers for test bash UK 2023. Uh, I'll talk a bit more about that at the end, but uh, get your thinking caps on if you haven't already. We're going to talk a lot more about Vernon's career and coaching and how to be a better coach, even if you're not in a coach role, as we go on. But Vernon, I have limited you to just five songs on this podcast today. Um, What is the first one that you've come up with for your selection? Uh, The first one is A Tribe Called Quest, What's the Scenario? So I am, because of my vintage, I one of the genres that I listen to the most and still do to this day is hip hop. Um, and, and in those days it was American hip hop, um, predominantly. And this tune is just, I'd never heard anything like it. And it was, I think it was the first time I remember hearing Busta Rhymes, like his verse on this track is just pure energy. Um, so yeah, it's one of my favorite tunes. If that, if that comes on and there's a dance floor anywhere nearby, I just like, it, it gets a bit embarrassing to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> 
ego. So here's Buster Rhymes with the scenario. Watch as I combine all the juice from the mind. Heal up, wheel up, bring it back, come rewind. Powerful impact, boom, from the cannon. Now bragging, try to read my mind, just imagine. Both can't build, there is necessary. When digging into my library, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Eating, I do stew like the one pizza tosser. Uh, 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 all over the track, man. Uh, pardon me, uh, as I come back. As I did the girl, I had to beg your pardon. When I travel through the turn, I roll with the squadron. That was Scenario by A Tribe Called Quest featuring uh, Buster Rhymes there. Might not be the last you hear of Buster Rhymes today. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vernon, I mentioned your length of service in the world of testing. Um, in the past few years, you've moved into more, more coaching-focused roles. Was that kind of deliberate, or did you kind of drift that way? Oh, God, it was absolutely deliberate, yeah. Definitely deliberate. Um, so, back in 2016... Uh, uh, what happened was I was working with I was working at a company called Songkick um, with an absolute legend called Amy Phillips. I was there. I was freelancing at the time, contracting, um, and the contract came to an end. I had to call it uh, call it quits, bring it to an end. And I got some feedback from Amy. She was like, "Ferdinand, do you like realize that you establish trust with people like really quickly?" And I was like. No, no, I, I don't. I don't even know what you're talking about, actually. And she was like, "Oh, well, have you ever thought about?" Well, she was like, "Well, you do, but you don't. Once you establish the trust, it's like you don't then, like, take advantage of it for want of a better phrase. Like you don't leverage it after that. It's like you establish this trust, and then it's kind of like, you know, you don't you don't maximize it." I was like, uh, "Okay," and she, and she was like. Have you ever thought about being a coach? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? I'm not a coach. This is insane. And she was like, right, you know what? You need to go and talk to another legend um, called Toby Sinclair. Um, and she was like, yeah, go and talk to Toby. He is uh, going down this coaching route and he might be able to give you some some pointers or explain what it is more. So, I, you know, a few days after that, I went and spoke with Tony, uh, Toby. Um, we went and got some lunch. I remember we were in, uh, in London somewhere. We got some lunch and he just clued me into what he was doing at the time um and ever since then i've just been reading and learning more about coaching and then in 2020 i did some training with an amazing company called barefoot coaching if you end up going to get some training with them do tell them that i sent you and say hi to uh, andy chandler and kim morgan because they are awesome and i and i did a, a, a pg cert in personal business coaching and from then on it's just been it's just been incredible. I absolutely think coaching is a superpower. And I understand now when I've been in, particularly in leadership positions or when I'm trying to help teams adopt agile practices, particularly testers, I can look back and see why I was successful at those things and why I was not successful at some of those other things. So it's been, mm. it's been a game changer. Yeah, I'm in the process of making a similar journey myself. I've recently found myself in a role that has coach in the title for the first time. And mm. again, it was, it was semi-deliberate insofar as the aspects that attracted me to that role were the things I've done before in previous roles, like in my team leader management roles, where I, I love working with people and I love helping people to flourish. What I didn't enjoy was all the enforce that this person takes the right amount of annual leave. Like I was just not interested in that stuff. Oh, my or, God. Or, running up against the barrier of this person deserves a pay rise, but I can't get a pay rise for them. So what am I even doing here? And mm. 
I love that I can permanently work in such a positive way with people um, in my current role, which I really, really enjoy. Um, I uh, desperately need to catch up with Toby myself as well. The last time I, I met Toby, I literally bumped into him on the street. I was uh, <laughs> working at Zoopla in London all the time and I was walking back to London Bridge Station and just Toby was on the street. It was like, hey, Toby, oh, uh, we should catch up. But I, you know, I don't get to London that often and I, I need to do that. Um, I'm very much aware of, of both him and you spreading the good word of, of Barefoot Coaching. I'm starting a course with Barefoot Coaching in February. I'm taking their their flagship training program that's like three months long with a PG cert option at the end of it. Fantastic. So um, uh, it's going to consume most of my, my next year, I suspect. Um, and in fact, I've got Kim Morgan's book right on my desk next to me here. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely should share things there. Um, the, the same as you do. Um, when, when you are working with, with testers in, in a coaching role, um, mm-hmm. there is, and always has been a lot of demand on testers to either, if not upskill, then to 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 move around and, and shift left and shift right and shift everywhere in ways that perhaps other roles don't find themselves doing. No, no one's telling developers to write more documentation, for example, necessarily. <laughs> but how how do you help testers to to meet those demands, particularly if, for example, they're being asked to be more involved with code when coding is either not something that's a passion of theirs or not something that they feel they want to do? That is a fantastic question. So what i do in that situation is coaching is very much about trusting people that they have absolutely everything that they need to overcome a challenge or to leverage an opportunity so but whether that's skills um aptitude potential all of it except the perspective the only thing they lack is perspective that will shift their understanding of the situation enough that they can say, oh, I've got it. And so when it comes to testing, what it boils down to for me at least, or in my experience, has been helping testers see things differently and help them understand that their skills are applicable in different parts of the software delivery lifecycle, for example. And also helping them realize that they don't have to have all the answers and they don't have to be always in telling mode and that they can help the team come up with their own solutions collectively as a team rather than leaving everything to them as the testing specialist or the quality specialist in their team. And so that that's how, that's how I like to leverage it. It's like you use the the fundamental tenets of coaching to broaden people's perspectives. And then once they're open to it, um, they'll start to figure the things out for themselves. And then the other, the other aspect of that though, is you have to help them understand what's in it for them. That if, if people don't understand how a change can benefit them and what problem it solves for them or what opportunity it unlocks for them, naturally they're going to be resistant to it. So instead of beating people over the head and saying, yeah, shifting left is awesome or shifting right or shifting up, down, middle, bottom, you know, you kind of say, oh, you've got this problem and we can solve it like this. Or here's how your life is going to get better. Like describe the problem in terms that they understand rather than in language that you understand. And I think that's where a coach can have an impact that, for example, a manager can't necessarily have a a manager's, input to their direct report is often, I want you to write 
these 25 test cases or I want you to test these three things to, to some degree of quality that is plucked out of thin air. Whereas a coach can come in and say, what is the value you're trying to bring to the team? And rather mm-hmm. than saying, how do you write better test cases? It becomes, how do you do better testing? Or how do you deliver better value for your business? And mm. that is something where you can cast that net wider than just the person you're talking to. So it's, it's not just the test responsibility. It's how can the entire team help that tester to help the entire team? It, it becomes a much more sort of fulfilling um, angle of things. Exactly. Exactly right. Couldn't have said it better myself. So you're spending all this time now within coaching positions, uh, which is mostly is an advisory position, I guess. Do you still find yourself thinking like a tester or wanting to do the testing? Is it like when you're talking to someone and you say, oh, just give me the keyboard, I'll do it. I'll show you how you how to do it. How mm-hmm. bad is that temptation? Are you like once a tester, always a tester? Definitely once a tester, always a tester. It's, it's, it's something that Toby refers to um, as being coach-like. So I learned my coaching skills in the context of a very explicit and well-defined one-to-one coaching situation, or I am explicitly coaching a team. Uh, whereas when you're, when you're a tester, you want to be coach-like. So there are, it's about identifying when is, it, when is it most useful and helpful to be at the directive end of the um, directive, non-directive spectrum? And when is it most helpful to be at the non-directive end. So the directive end is much more um, telly. It's much more, I, I, I'm I, probably the person with the, who's best placed to solve this problem and I'm just going to tell you what to do. Whereas at the coaching end, it's like, well, you are the best person to solve and I'm, I'm all I'm going to do is help you solve your own problem. And so I am still testing. It's just that when it comes to those, how can we help the team take collective responsibility for quality that's when the coaching skills come in because now you can you can have unconditional positive regard instead of assuming everyone is you know a moron you can listen actively you can ask powerful questions and there is in my opinion quite a close correlation between testing as i understand it and coaching which is why i'm so excited for testers and quality specialists to learn about this stuff because i think it will help them well, for those who don't know, we're going to go on to talk about it a lot more in the next section. We're going to talk about some of the pillars of coaching and also how you can go about serving a, as Toby says, a coach-like role, even if you're not actually a coach. Uh, we'll do that in the next section after, Vernon, you introduce us to your second song. So this is uh, a song by Nas and it's called Made You Look. This this song, it, so Nas is one of my favourite rappers. I'm, I'm a big hip-hop fan and he's one of my favourite rappers and I've, I don't know if I'm reaching here. Please don't laugh. Uh, but I've been told he looks a little bit like me. So, uh, you know, that just made me like him even more because he looks a little bit like me. Um, and I just I just like this song. It's just a pure... It's just a pure hip-hop song. It's just very, very energetic. And I love the lyrics. And I love the... I love the... The pictures it inspires in my head and it gets me motivated to do things. So, yeah, I love this song. No, it's made you look. 
Now let's get it all in perspective For all y'all enjoyment, a song y'all can step with Y'all appointed me to bring rap justice But I ain't 5-0, y'all know it's Nas, yo Great Goose and a whole lot of Hydro Only describe us as soldier survivors Stay laced in the best, well-dressed with finesse in the white tee, looking for white meat Thug girl who fly and talk so nicely Put her in the coupe so she can feel the nice breeze We could drive through the city, no doubt But don't say my car's topless Say the titties is out that was Nas with Made You Look. Now, we've been talking about coaching and what it means to do coaching. For those who haven't found themselves in a coaching role before or haven't had the benefit of being in one of your talks or workshops, what does it mean to do coaching? What are, what are the, the major pillars of coaching? So the major pillars are unconditional positive regard, active listening and powerful questioning. So unconditional positive regard is the opposite of assuming everybody's a douchebag that doesn't do things the way that you think they need to be done. It's when you assume that everybody is awesome, basically, <laughs> right? So that's unconditional positive regard. Please do not apply this in a situation where people are, you're in a toxic environment. This, this is not appropriate for that. I'm just talking about your normal everyday interactions with people. Um, Assume good intent is another kind of slightly uh, less bombastic way of saying it. I like unconditional positive regard. Active listening is when, and this is going to sound a bit woo-woo, folks, so I do apologise in advance, uh, but it's when you are really, really focused in on what people are saying and you're, you're not listening to speak, you're listening to understand. Uh, and so it's about being very, very present. It's extreme. Well, I find it extremely draining. So you've, you've really got to pay attention. You've got to withhold judgment, uh, reflect and clarify what it is that you're hearing and summarize and like, and play it back and share it. And, and that, if you, if you stick to those components of active listening you won't go far wrong there are some there are some classic mistakes that i learned about from uh from my barefoot training uh some of the some of the ones that i suffer from the most when it comes to active listening is <laughs> is is becoming preoccupied with thoughts about my own life so so, so i'll be coaching somebody <laughs> and they will say something and i just empathize with it so much it reminds me oh yeah i'm dealing with that situation as well and Oh my god, I haven't I haven't spoke to that person for a long time, and it's like, they're still they're still talking and going on going on about their situation, and I'm just somewhere else. Um, and another and another one that that you mentioned a second ago is feeling the need to solve everything, like mm. that is not the point of coaching. So they're my two classics when it comes to active listening, and then the final yeah. thing is powerful questioning, and that's essentially asking open questions. So an open question. Is something that is nigh on impossible to answer with one word. So instead of saying, hey, Neil, are you okay? I would say, hey, Neil, how are you? Well, what's going on with you right now? Mm. And it forces you to think and expand more than just an answer with one syllable. Uh, and why I think that one in particular should lend itself quite well with testers is it really reminds me of exploratory testing. It doesn't resolve down to a binary yes/no. It, it's it's much more expansive and 
broad. Um, so yeah, they're the they're the three. They are probably the three, I think, foundational pillars of coaching. Yeah, I'd like to think that I've been showcasing some of them on, on this podcast for the past four or five years. Like, <laughs> act, active listening is a really important part of being a podcast host because I have an idea of where the questions are going to go, like my pre predetermined questions. But if you say something more interesting, then I'm going down that route. I'm not just going to blindly ignore everything you said or that revelation yeah. you just gave and say, oh, so what are you doing next week, Vernon? No, it's like, no, you've got to be in the moment. You've got to actually adapt to the situation that's there. And, and similarly with with, with with powerful questions or at least open questions like there's, there's no point mm. in me asking you so do you agree that all testers should do more coaching <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, do you think there are any any major misconceptions out there about um coaching i, I know actually one, one of the first talks i ever saw you do was it a test bash 2014 where you did the the, the myths and um, misconceptions of testing yeah so uh, have you got like bubbly around inside your head a similar one for coaching like what's the your big bugbears that people think coaches do or don't do um there there are a few i think um one that immediately springs to mind is um coaching the coach is like tester it's an overloaded word and so it means a lot of things and means lots of different things to different people so i'm 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 talking about coaching in the sense of i am going to help you solve your own problem because you are absolutely incredible like you're an incredible incredible human being i'm not going to ask questions that steer you to what i think is the correct answer so just because you're using open questions does not mean that you're coaching somebody (laughs) at least in the way that i'm defining it right now there's a there's something called the socratic method which people have used in the testing space to teach people things but it's very much i'm going to question you so that you arrive at what i think is the right answer that's not what i'm talking about um another one is that because i hype about coaching so much i don't want people to get the impression that coaching is a silver bullet so take this example um on board so i could be visiting neil uh neil li- lives up north i'm in leicester neil's in there in there manchester and uh, we could be waffling on talk about testers island this testing coaching uh, our day jobs, our families, all the rest of it, having a great time. And then suddenly I realise I've got to hop on a plane uh, because I'm flying out to, I don't know, the Caribbean. And I'm like, Neil, oh my God, I've got to get to the airport. Like, what do I do? I've got like half an hour to get there. And then Neil replies, well, Vernon, what do you think you should do to get to the airport? <laughs> like, that is not, that's not appropriate. Like, I don't need coaching right now. I don't want to figure this out for myself. You have the information. This is your local town. Give me the information so I can get the hell out of here. And so it's about using the most appropriate um, technique or approach for the situation. It's not just, well, coaching is always appropriate. Does that make sense? And obviously different techniques suit different situations. uh, And it it all comes down to the person you're working with. Like I Mm -hmm. occasionally find myself coaching um, very talented people who seem to lack confidence. And a lot of that is just... Uh, demonstrating reflection like you said before so someone will come to me and say Neil I really don't understand this and you say to them well tell, tell me what you do understand about this maybe it's the concept of what is a database or how do you retrieve data you know how do you write a SQL query mm-hmm. and you get them to tell you what they think they know and you're like well so, so you do know then you just gave me a really concise powerful explanation it's the not knowing how much they know can be sometimes be a, it's like oh you haven't specifically given me any new information as such but you have 
helped me to process what was already disconnected inside my head. You're kind of the joining the dots up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and active listening also is, is, an, is, al- is also like magic. I always tell people when people feel that they like they've been listened to, it is, it's, it's a game changer. Like people feel heard and it's not just about listening with your ears and explicitly listening to literal words. Like how did people say what they say? What, Listen to what they don't say. So if somebody says, I see what you mean, does that mean that they're more visual in nature, for example? It's it's such a, I'm not an expert at any of this stuff, but it, it's such a fascinating way to interact with people. So yeah, it's it's awesome. It, it's a really interesting field to, to find myself moving moving towards. I'm very aware that this is our, our third podcast in a row that's specifically coaching focused. So um, for those of you who are like, I don't coach, what do you do with this podcast? In the next section, we're going to show you how to bring the ideas of coaching into your everyday role. But before we talk more about coaching in your everyday role, we're at the halfway point songwise. What is your third song choice today, Vernon? Hey, so this is Public Enemy Shut Em Down. But the Pete Rock remix, that's key. It's Public Enemy, Shut Them Down, the Pete Rock remix. Absolutely. This tune, man. <laughs> I what's, love Public what's Enemy. Pete, what's Pete Rock um, bringing to the party? Oh, like, I actually don't like the original version of this song, but Pete Rock brings in this absolutely classic sample of, gosh, what are they? Some kind of... Is it a trumpet? It might be or a saxophone. I don't know, but it's 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 just it's just perfection. And then you've got you've got a Chuck D talking his inspiring, uplifting uh, lyrics over the top. It's just it's just I love this song so much. It's fantastic. Perfect song. Shut them down. That was the Pete Rock remix of Shut Them Down by Public Enemy. Now, we've been talking quite a lot already about the kind of qualifications that you can get to, to be a coach or to say that you have trained to be a coach. Now, you and I both know that testing qualifications are a mixed bag. Some of them get a bad rap for not necessarily delivering anything that could make you a better tester. Do you think coaching qualifications, are there good and bad out there? What do the good ones do that the other ones maybe don't? Another good question. So I have, since 2020, I've undertaken a few different coaching training courses. Most of them have been great. So there was the one-to-one coaching course I did with Barefoot, which was brilliant. I also did, um, and this was on Toby's recommendation, actually, it was, I have to remember to get this right, it's an abbreviation of ORSC, O-R-S-C. I think that's Organisational organizational Relationship Systems Coaching, which is a form of team coaching, mm-hmm. which was brilliant. And I also did, so I also got my um, Agile Coaching Qualification, 
So it's uh, with so I, I'm an ICPACC <laughs> certified. Thank you very much, folks. Um, and so I think I think they are a mixed bag. I think the 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 best thing about these courses, in my opinion, is doing actual coaching. Particularly with barefoot, you do a lot of coaching with the cohort that you're with, and it and it's a fantastic experience on on both sides of that of that uh, conversation and relationship. When you're being the coach, you get fantastic feedback. When you're being coached, um, you can <laughs> you can talk about things that are real and personal, and it's um, Chatham House rules. A, a fundamental tenant of coaching as they teach it is, is confidentiality. So it's not like people are not then going to run out of there and broadcast your business all over the place. Um, so that was fantastic. Same thing applied in ORSC, same thing applied with my um, agile coaching, although to a slightly lesser degree. So I think, I think that's the thing to look for is, is the training being delivered by real practitioners and how much, actual practice doing practicing the skill will you get during mm. the course i think that's key like I, i'm not going to name any names uh, for, for the sake of sounding like i have bias but <laughs> some of the, some of the professional bodies out there will only give you their stamp for approval or their certification if you can demonstrate that you've done for example 100 hours or 500 hours of mm-hmm. coaching and some of them also say a percentage of that has to be volunteer or pro bono work. You can't just be doing this to like acquire certificates. You have to be doing this to demonstrably be trying to make people's lives better. And that that's mm-hmm. that draws me to to a qualification in in a way that sitting down and taking an exam or just watching a video and going, now I am a better tester or a better coach. Mm-hmm. Like, as you say, walking the walk in ways that you can't always say when you see a, a test and qualification. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the big weaknesses, at least with um, the more old school testing qualifications that give you a certificate at the end, you don't practice any testing, which is basically not that valuable. Yeah. I mean, it's valuable learning some terms, but if you don't get any hands-on experience, you're struggling really. Yeah. I think it's fair to say though that some of these qualifications are lengthy and or expensive, and we all oh, have God. our day jobs that we're still trying to do. So if you are someone who is in a team right now and you introduced me earlier to the term coach-like. How, how can someone begin to do a, a coach-like role within their team and, and deliver benefits to their team without, you know, what could, what could they change tomorrow? Um, so from ORSC, I learned this concept that everybody is at least 2% right, which is a way of reminding yourself that, do you know what? This person probably has a point and it makes sense what they're saying and doing based on the experience. So how can I find out what that is? Like, what do I need to do to find out what is the 2% that we agree on and we think is right? So remember that, combine it with some unconditional positive regard. Get, like, lean into the curiosity. Like, when you, and use your emotions as clues. When you, when somebody says or does or you see something that you think is egregious and outrageous, and you say, what the hell is going on here? Like, answer that question. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, what what is going on? And go and find out. Go and, go and speak to people. Listen. Try and understand. And so, uh, in refinement sessions, for example, listen to who is speaking. Listen to how they're speaking. Notice who isn't speaking. And offer 
suggestions and draw people into conversations. And when you are pairing with, with people, um, reframe your questions to try and be more open, to get people to expand upon how they arrived at the action that they're taking or what made them think to get you to, you know, press this particular combination of keys to have some particular outcome, for example, and use your open questions with product owners, say, to kind of say, well, what is important to you? What's going to keep you up at night? Um, When you wake up in the morning and you check this in production, what is it that you're looking for? And use those kind of open open questions to get under the skin of of what people really care about. And then listen. And don't listen to speak. Don't try and prove that you are awesome tester. Even though you are, that's not that's not up for debate, people. Um, but give people a chance to help come up with solutions. Yeah, that, that's really really strong advice. I hope people people take that away. And and sometimes it's not even a people issue. Sometimes it's it's more systemic. Sometimes everyone. Mm in the room has been conditioned to believe something that the organization once believed in. And they're all just banging this mantra that they were once told and they're not sure um, <laughs> why they're even doing it. <laughs> I'm reminded of the, I was going to say that I, I was going to mention the experiment that I heard about at a bash one time about the, I'll link to it in the show notes, but there's a, a, an a, a experiment with monkeys and bananas and ladders and water and a thing where, Oh, yeah. Every yeah. time the monkeys climbed the banana, they got sprayed with water, and then they they swapped the monkeys out one by one until they reached a stage where none of the original monkeys were in there, but none of them would climb the ladder because they were all just yep. had heard this thing with water was going to happen. Um, yep. I googled it to try and find the details of it, and it turns out it may not have happened. But it's still, it's, an, it's an interesting. I, I've seen organisations working in that way, even if it's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were recreating an experiment unbeknownst to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You've been doing a lot of, of public experience of late. You've been taking your workshop on tour and helping people to learn more about active listening and, and what it means to be a, a good coach, uh, including at Test Bash recently in Manchester. Um, where else have you been? Well, 2022 has, has thankfully been a, a more open year than the couple that went before. Um, mm. Where has it taken you this year? Wow. Whew. Where's to it? So I have been absolutely everywhere. So I have been to Germany, uh, so Berlin and Cologne. I've been to London and Manchester. Um, and Leicester <laughs> doing some <laughs> do some training. Um, I've also been to Sao Paulo and Chicago and Portland as well. Um, so I've I've done a lot of traveling. It's like okay, the pandemic seems to be now something that people are just treating as as a, as a as an everyday thing. Cool, we know how to deal with it. And so it's like now traveling is a thing people getting together at conferences is a thing again. And I've been really fortunate. I've had a few invitations to go and uh, contribute to events and delivering workshops, delivering talks. I've been to Utrecht. I forgot about Utrecht, bloody hell. Um, Yeah, it's it's been great. It's been a great year. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm in a situation where um, the pandemic and parenthood both overlap with me for the first time. So Uh I'm now in this weird position where... I'm kind of okay with traveling again and, and I enjoy the buzz of being around people. But the hardest thing for me now is, is, is being away from my family for, for extended periods of time. Oh my God. Like yeah. I want to say extended periods. I mean, I will sometimes not go to a, a work get together in London because I know it will involve having to stay over in a hotel. And I know that 
my son will have to go to bed without me and wake up and I won't be there. And I was like, I, I just can't go. And I, I know I need to get over myself, but how, how do you manage balancing up um, the experiences and the benefits of being able to travel with, you know, having a family around you? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've solved this, to be honest. Like my mm. dream is to take them with me. That's yeah. my dream. And I've, I've gotten close a couple of times. So when, when I was up in, Manchester again for this time it was for Manchester Tech Festival. Shout out Amy Newton. Um, I it, it was over half term, so I was able to take my daughter with me. So we hung out in Manchester for a week, and that was absolutely fantastic. And I would like to do more of that. When when Test Bash was down in Brighton, I would go to Test Bash, and my wife and my daughter definitely, and sometimes the boys. They're a bit older, so they you know classic. They don't want to hang out with their parents necessarily. <laughs> Um, but uh, certainly Gina and our daughter, they would come down and then we'd just hang out in Brighton for the weekend and they would get to meet the people that I'd been hanging out with at the conference and that was cool. Um, you probably don't remember, Neil, but you've technically met my daughter when she was probably, let's think about, do the maths, she was probably about two or three months old at that time. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I try and get over it and also my wife is awesome and uh, kind of makes it work when it's time to travel. I'm trying to return the favour this year because she's got an epic year ahead. Uh, professionally, she's she's smashing it. She's gonna she's the president of the Leicester Law Society this year, which is epic. So I'm having to uh, be the person that is chasing around, ferrying a million one kids all over the place, so that she can go and do what she needs to do. So it's compromise, it's conversation, and it's sometimes I just clear off and thank my wife pr- profusely bring presents back yeah. for the kids but the plan is to take them with me yeah well it's a good situation to be in where, where you're both trying to trying to find things to do but it would be worse if you're both sat around the house going i've got nothing to do in my life like it, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. a, exciting and, and and busy times for you um i'm gonna talk a bit more in the next section about something else that i noticed you do recently uh online which was the the ship 30 for 30 course um oh yes uh, but before i do that um what is your fourth and penultimate song Oh, okay. So this is Wu-Tang Clan and it's Winter Wars. This has the single most ridiculously... Well, I don't want to hype up too much. Okay. <laughs> I It's my favourite verse, single verse, probably on any hip-hop song. Um, it's by... It's the last verse in the song. The MC's called Capadonna. But the, there are other members of the Wu-Tang Clan on it. But this, man, I just enjoy this song. When this song comes on... I was at my best friend's wedding a couple of years ago and this song came on and we and I just I just went a bit nuts on the dance floor again with a whole host of other people. So it was great. Wu-Tang Clan Winter Wars, one of my favourite songs ever. You heard of the rats before, but kept waiting for the son of song. I keep dance hard strong. Beats another worthy of my cause. I prolong extravaganza. Time sits still. No propaganda. Be wary of the skill. As I bring forth the music, make love to your eardrum. Dedicated to rap, nigga, beware the fearsome. Lebanon, John Malcolm X, beat threat. CD massacre, murder to cassette. I blow the shop up, you ain't seen nothing yet. One man ran trying to get away from it. Put your bifocal on, watch me a coming. That was Wu-Tang Clan with Winter Wars. Very strong hip-hop game from Vernon Selections today. Um, <laughs> now, I have kept myself off a lot of social medias uh, recently. Twitter has... Um, the world seems to have caught up with what Twitter is now. <laughs> there, are, there are pockets of goodness out there, but LinkedIn is still a mostly good place. And I noticed 
something recently. I noticed um, the nature of your posts on LinkedIn changing. They were becoming more frequent and more um, incisive. And I didn't really realize why until 36 days later, I think it was, when you announced <laughs> that, you, that you had been doing something, uh, taking part in a, a, a course during that time. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about what Ship 30 for 30 is. So Ship 30 for 30 is the creation of two amazing chaps, Dickie Bush and Nicholas Cole. Uh, And the purpose of this is to publish one article or written piece of content a day, every day for 30 days in a row. And the purpose of that is to help you establish a writing habit and to build a writing habit. I heard about this at the end of last year um, from someone that I follow on Twitter called Ari Hale. She's awesome. Um, And they popped up in my timeline and I just kind of went, screw it. Ari said they were cool. They seem really cool. Dickie, it was a a tweet from Dickie that was absolutely amazing. I signed up and it was completely game changing. I was not prepared for how awesome this was going to be. So you do this as a as a group, as a cohort. It's, it's not a solo project. You're you're keeping each other accountable within the group. Yeah, it it's weird. It, it is a cohort, but you can easily just end up in like a silo, just publishing stuff on your own. You get much more out of it if you try and interact with other people that are part of the cohort, publishing their stuff reading their stuff retweeting it giving them feedback getting feedback um so yeah it's it's very much cohort based and there are tons of people doing it now each each cohort and it's fantastic um at at the end of 20 towards the end of 2021 i had this theme that i wanted to adopt for this year which was to create more content than i consume and so i was like how can i do that and i think i thought to myself I think I work best in video. So when people can see me and hear me, I seem to get good like reactions from people. Uh, but that felt really difficult to establish a habit with, like, you know, setting things up, getting the lighting, sound, all the rest of it. It, it felt onerous. So when this came across my, my attention, I was like, well, I'm just going to do it because all i got to do is just fire up my laptop, type, hit publish, done. And you learn so much. You learn so much how to create articles, how to write. It helps your your written communication, particularly now we're remote. I found that as I wrote stuff down, my thinking got better. My my ability to articulate and verbally explain ideas improved. And just people saw the content and wanted to engage with me even more because, oh, you're doing this interesting thing. This is cool. And just amazing things started to happen that I couldn't have predicted at the start of the 30 days it's, it's just i just recommend everyone to do it honest to be honest with you it's fantastic yeah. it, is, it is on my list i have a post at my trailer board called future training course ideas which is for for beyond my coaching accreditation mm-hmm. what i would like to do and chip 30 for 30 is, is on the list i kind of i got myself into that kind of habit over the summer when i took a couple, couple of months off work and i had the time to just go out there and do it i was like what am i gonna nice. do today i'm gonna create some content because it can be part of a springboard for my next role um then the next role came along and it just it fell by the wayside and i i need to to help myself to establish that it, mm. it sounds like 30 days is um potentially you know an intense commitment like mm-hmm. 
as you say, it's it's not necessarily as as intense as it would be in video form. But were they were there days when you just weren't feeling it? How did you how did you keep yourself motivated for thirty days? Well, they 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 help you with it. They they um they give you a lot of encouragement and they they help you plan out your day. They they encourage you to set aside what they call sacred hours where it's like, okay, I'm going to spend this specific time in this specific place writing. And whatever I write at the end of that time, I'm going to hit publish because their, their whole thing is you've got to hit publish, put the writing where people are already reading stuff yeah. and then get the feedback. And that's where you improve. So for me, what was difficult was I thought, cause I'm an early bird, my sacred hours would be in the morning. As it happened, it just, it naturally was more convenient to write at night. It's just being an early bird. I am at, at, like staying up late is a nightmare situation. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were a few, there are a few moments where it got close to the, I've got to post this before midnight because I want to maintain the streak. <laughs> yeah. And one day oh. I missed because I forgot to hit publish and that was very annoying. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I ended up oh, doing I, yeah. I was saying to you just before we started recording that we're in, in December and I have for the first time been doing the the advent of code, which is a, a month of coding challenges. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel like I'm finally being rewarded for being an early bird because I'm normally up at 6am to, to get my son ready for nursery and they release the puzzles at 5am. So I'm like, oh, set the alarm an hour early. And then what I actually have is I have this hour and there's a little bit of mini pressure there because, like, if I don't get this solved by six a.m., I'm probably not going to get back to it till eight. So the pressure's yep. on to just try and get this wrapped up. And the sooner I wrap it up, you know, if I finish this challenge at five thirty, I'm wide awake because I've been coding for half an hour and I've got thirty yeah, minutes to myself as a reward. So yeah, it's funny <laughs> the way different people um, shape their days in different ways and, and um, how certain things can <laughs> can help yep. you exploit the way you like to work. Yeah. Um, so having having completed that as a course, has it given you like? Do you have the writing bug now? Are you going to go on and do oh like more blogging or another project? One hundred percent. Holy shit! Do I have? Sorry for swearing. <laughs> but my god, I have the writing bug. All right. So, um, one of the amazing things that happened as a result of putting out all this content is the incredible Nicola Lindgren, who wrote a book about starting your career in software testing. Um, she wants to write a follow up to that book, and she wanted me to help her write it. So I'm doing that. Um, I've got other ideas for books that I want to write. Um, I'm I'm in the process as we record this of starting up a newsletter. So if everything goes according to plan, uh, by the time you listen to this, my newsletter should have at least what two or three issues by by that point. Because by the end of the Ship Thirty experience, I was not enjoying staying up till close to midnight to write but I do enjoy publishing and getting feedback. So the newsletter is a way to kind of scratch that itch and hopefully it can turn into a thing. I don't know what, but I would like to, you know, I would, I want, I want to start, I want to start helping people with testing and could it turn into a business? Could it turn into a side hustle? I don't know, but I would like to find out and it's fun writing is fun i enjoy it i'm surprised at how much i enjoy it actually yeah that's that's the main thing yeah to, to to do it because you want to do it and um i know we all have that challenge with with making habits stick um which which mm. came up really as well and yeah if you're not if you're doing it for the wrong reasons it's it's never going to stick i had um no. i had a similar thing recently where i'm 
trying to do more running. I've signed up to do a 10K in Manchester in the spring next year. And Amazing. so I've installed, I've installed Strava on my phone, which you know gives you a little graph of your activity for each week. And it got to a Sunday morning and I felt I was feeling awful. I was feeling really run down. And I was saying to myself, I need to get out of the house now and, and run 5K. Otherwise, my graph's going to go all bad. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Mm. No one else knows this graph even exists. What are you even thinking about doing? Just just feel better. Take the rest you need and run a day later. Your graph is not going to care. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, we are rapidly drawing towards the conclusion um, of not just of the episode, but of the year as well. So we're going to have a little bit of extra ch- chat about 2022, the year gone by at the end mm-hmm. here. But before we do that, let's take us back to the, the mid-90s with your final choice. <laughs> This is by Buster Rhymes, so he's back. So this is Buster Rhymes, and the song is called Woo Ha, I've Got You All In Check. Uh, this song, uh, it, he's so, he's such, uh, particularly when it came out, he's a really different performer. And the, the music of the song, like the, the beat selection is different to anything that was out at the time. His delivery is different. The video is bonkers. Like, I just love this song. I think I could, I think I could recite... If we're ever doing hip hop karaoke, and this is an option, I will do it, and I think I could do the whole song. I think. So yeah, oh, I love this song. Rem- remember what you said about the tutus. Don't make promises. <laughs> ah, the tutus was not me. That was somebody else. But this <laughs> hip hop karaoke, I'm here for it. So yeah, definitely. Buster Rhymes, my guy. Rowdy out Vernon's songs today. That was Buster Rhymes with Wooha Got You All in Check. Um, a very uh, 80s and 90s infused selection today, um, but we are coming to the end of the year and I'm someone who likes to talk about things that they have liked in the past. So this is our chance to talk about um, movie and music recommendations of, of the year gone by. Fern, anything particularly caught your eyes and ears? Oh, boy. Uh, on the film front, um, I enjoyed Doctor Strange 2 probably I, I spider-man was released right at the end of 2021 if it wasn't yeah. i would have said that but uh yes doctor strange 2 is probably my favorite film of this year in terms of music this is going to be dead easy because spotify hopefully gave me my spotify wrapped uh, earlier on today so i can tell you exactly what i've been listening to this year so it's uh, it's not a hip-hop track you'll be surprised to know is number one it's a song by alex isley who is amazing and jack dine and the song is called Under the Moon. It is absolutely fantastic. And the next one is a, a hip-hop tune. It's by Loyal Connor, who's from London and is also a Liverpool fan. So I love that. And the song is called Georgetown, and it features John A. God, who is a Guyanese poet. And that song is yeah, awesome. It's from the album yeah. Hugo. We played it on this podcast when, when I interviewed you at Tesbash. You were allowed to pick a song, and that was what you chose. Ah, well, it, I, clearly I like that song because it is it's uh, it's featured in the top ten of my <laughs> listens. So, <laughs> well, I'll jump in with a couple of recommendations myself. Then um, I can't use my Spotify unwrapped because 
my Spotify account is saved with shared with my son. So uh, yeah. like four of my top five are like um, old King Cole <laughs> and old McDonald. And, it's, and my wife's is like blippy. So I won't go off that, but they've kind of been, I do like to try and pick an album of the year, but I've got three this year. Like I, I, I can't choose between it. They all, all go between first, second and third all the time. Um, people who know me will know that, I, of course, love Taylor Swift's new album um, that goes without saying. Um, the Weekends album that came out right at the start of the year in January is a really, really strong kind of concept album about the afterlife and um, called Dawn FM. And there's a companion, like, long-form video on Amazon Prime as well. It's like a light, him, like, performing the album in a, wow. like fictional setting which is it's really really good and like there's a radio dj in the background that's that's jim carrey like jim carrey did some really good audio work um so that that was kind of came out of the blue right in january and it's it's still right up there and finally the most unlikely shout out of all time (laughs) um avril lavigne returned with a new album this year and it is wall-to-wall bangers like every single song it's like i don't know like how much it was self-penned and how much of it she had a writing team but like just the entire album is like banger after bangers some really great um guest mm-hmm. vocalists on there um and like a massive surprise at how good that was um on the film front i agree it's been kind of a it's been a quiet one i think mm. obviously because there's been a bit of lag post pandemic and there you know there wasn't a lot in development for the longest time but mm-hmm. um you mentioned doctor strange there's a very similar film that came out this year that's heavily tipped for the oscars called everything everywhere all at once and oh my god it's another it's the most bizarre bananas film. It's, it's by two direct, a pair of directors who go by the name Daniels because their first names are both Daniel. And uh. um, it's like, it, <laughs> it swings wildly from high fast to really, really deep moving stuff. Like mm-hmm. as an exploration of what it means to, to have existence and to, and to be like living in a lifetime and, and the things you have done and haven't done and how, sometimes the, the things you choose not to do are what gives you power. And it's just, it's, it's amazing, but it also features stuff you wouldn't want your parents to see. <laughs> yes. it's, it's yeah. <laughs> so that's definitely my, my, my film of the year for by a long shot. And um, I would like to think it would pick up some sort of nod at the Oscars next year. Um, I think best picture is a, it's a, it'd be a very out there best picture, but um, mm. yeah, that's a heck of a film. That was a great shout. I'm so glad you remembered that because <laughs> I tried to watch it on one of my many flights this year and I have, haven't made it to the end because I kept falling asleep. So I'm going to go and fix that this weekend. <laughs> not, not the most glowing of recommendations, but I can recommend that you give it give it the chance. Um, it's awesome. Please check yeah. it out. <laughs> um, the last bit of business we always give to everybody on every episode is the chance to bring a book to the island with you for all times. Um, <laughs> have you got a book that you would select? I do, and I'm going to hideously cheat. So it's it's a it's a ten book collection <laughs> by Stephen Erickson called the Malazan Book of the Fallen. I like science fiction and fantasy, and that's what this is. Um, I I couldn't even begin to try and describe what this book is about. It's a bit bonkers. It is about gods and ascension and. Uh, destiny as per with these fantasy books and things it's it's so convoluted there's so many characters but you don't feel lost they all get really good um uh, airtime if you like i suppose my i suppose my favorite book in in the series is either is either going to be dead house gates or 
House of Chains for the the whole series is absolutely ridiculous. And in fact, I'm going to go reread it again now that I've just thought about it now. <laughs> so uh, thank you Fantastic. for that. Yeah. Uh, a ten book series is, is pushing the boat. I think I think that's the the biggest collection of tomes <laughs> that we've had on on the podcast but if it exists on goodreads then it's good enough for me um you can use all that that paper to i don't know you could keep yourself in not saying that you should burn the books but you know ten, 10 books goes a long way on a desert island so so thank you for those selections um weirdly i've got my own little list of like things that i've always wanted to do that i want to tick off and i've literally this week bought a cloth bound copy of war and peace which i've never read and oh my I'm gonna, that's my my treat to myself for the new year's i'm just starting war and peace and i'm going to do it's it's like a thousand odd pages, but if you do a chapter a day, you knock yeah, it off man. in a couple of months very easily. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to treating myself to that. With it's like a real real cloth bound book with a proper like one of those bookmarks you're pulling over the top. Um, so uh, I'll race you through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on today, Vernon. We are um, at the end of what has been a busy year with another one coming up. Um, do you have anything on the horizon for 2023 yet? Or are you just letting the, the calendar, calendar tick over before you worry too much about that? Uh, I'm, I'm already penciled in for three uh, presentations, keynote presentations. One in Cluj at Romania Testing Days, another one in Chicago at Agile Testing Days, um, and another one in Miami at uh, Testing United. So I definitely know that I'm doing those things and I'm going to be writing more and hopefully I'm going to start creating videos as well. So that's me. Super. Look forward to it. And um, since we last recorded, um, you may have seen that the venue for Test Bash 2023 has changed. Um, it mm. proved difficult to secure an appropriate venue in Cambridge, which I can understand coming from there myself. Like the kind of venue you need for Test Bash needs to have both a large auditorium and a lot of breakout rooms. And in Cambridge, that's either means the universities, which are all busy in September with new students coming in, or it means going somewhere that's a lot further out of Cambridge that you just can't easily get to. So it's moved. And Vernon, I'm sure you're delighted to find out that it's in Liverpool. <laughs> I am. And I hope that that makes Richard miserable. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the extra good news is that it's, it's also changed dates slightly. So it's now on a Wednesday and Thursday, which means that Thursday night could be a Europa League football for you next season. Huh? Steady on, Mr. Stone. That's, that's a, outrageous. That's, a, that's a, very, a very rare football joke for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a, a real pleasure, Vernon, and uh, I will see you. Uh, I will certainly see you at Test Bash, I'm sure, but before then, I hope as well. Um, we're recording yes. this just before before the Christmas holiday, so um, best wishes to you and the family for a, a peaceful and um, dry and warm and you know low on the energy bills festive season <laughs> <laughs> same and thanks for inviting me on i hope you enjoy your christmas with your young family and looking forward to hanging out some more in 2023 thank you and thank you everyone for listening as the podcast moves into what's technically its seventh year we're starting in 2017 so i will wow. see you in 2023 um I won't see you. I'll hear you. Who knows? Maybe you'll see me somewhere. I don't know. But uh, best wishes to you all, and I'll see you in the new year. Thanks, Vernon. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Testers Island Discs is brought to you by Ministry of Testing, written and produced by Neil Studd. Theme music by Green Day. Follow us on Twitter at Testers Island. Testers Island.